and welcome to today's incredible episode of SOS She Made It with Sarah Alice Burns. Sarah is a professional backing dancer, model, an artist development coach, born and raised in Perth, Australia, and has gone on to dance with Beyonce guys, Beyonce, like the Super Bowl, world tours, the Beyonce visual album, like it's insane um, what Sarah has achieved and we're going to dive into just what it was like to really be there, like be there at that Super Bowl performance, guys. We're going to hear all about it. We're going to go behind the scenes at Beyonce auditions and rehearsals. Sarah has also danced with Brandy, Jay-Z, DJ Khaled, Jennifer Lopez. We're going to hear all about what it was like to film the On The Floor music video, Janelle Monet, Kelly Rowland, Asha, the list goes on. Um, and now she is dedicated to bringing out the shine and the inner light in her students and the artists that she coaches. So we're going to dig deep in. I hope that you love this, whether you're on a walk, maybe you're doing a run, maybe you're just having a little bit of self-care. Enjoy, kick back, relax, and we'll see you on the other side. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to SOS. She made it. Chris, girl. You have made it. Welcome. How are you doing this morning? Well, this morning for you, your time in LA. I'm doing good. I'm good. Saturday is a great day. You know, it's the weekend. Yes, it is the weekend. And you're working straight after this. You're going, you're doing a, a rehearsal, right? Uh, yeah, I have to go teach. I have to go teach okay. today. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm in the process of doing some creative stuff for a video. So I have to kind of do the map out before I actually get dancers okay yeah. so tell me a little bit let's like rewind can you just introduce yourself and just go all the way back um you're from Australia can you tell me your story like what did you want to be when you grew up did you always know you wanted to be a dancer where are you from like tell me the story yeah uh okay so I was born and raised in Perth Australia Perth is on the west coast um, Perth is a really, really small kind of like beach city and it's obviously not as like big as Sydney or Melbourne. Um, and yeah, I grew up dancing. I danced, started dancer like age three. Um, I always wanted to perform. Like if you asked me in school, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was like a dancer. Um, despite all of my teachers telling me that it wasn't a career. I was like, no, I'm going to make it happen. I, I want to dance. Um, so, yeah, I was just, I was really, really um, determined to kind of make that happen. And, and I realised at kind of a young age that it wasn't going to happen in Australia because mm -hmm. it just, you know, there's no opportunities there. So in my mind I knew that I had to, like, leave and go abroad mm -hmm. and, find the work so I think that kind of um that kind of mentality gave me the drive of being like okay I I've got this goal that I'm set mm -hmm. out to achieve and and yeah I was, I was just a really determined kid <laughs> where did the determination come from I think that's just my personality I'm just a really stubborn kind of person I'm a Taurus so oh. um, yeah like even as a kid, I, like, you know, when your parents tell you like, oh, you have to go and do this or whatever, I would always try and like 
make my own kind of way out of it. I'm like, okay, I ask if you want to make me do this, can I do this, this, and this? if I do that. <laughs> like, so I was very right. manipulative. Like, yeah, it's just kind of stayed with me my whole life. Like I've just been really determined and stubborn and yeah, really like bold and strong headed. And yeah, it, it gets a little much, like it's always been kind of difficult with my parents. Like we've always kind of butted heads with, you know, like their idea of what they wanted my life to look like. Are they in the arts or were they like, the kind of like traditional parents of like you go to university, you get a job, you pay the bills. Absolutely. My parents, uh, my dad is creative. I can see creative things like within him, like he loves photography and stuff like that, but they weren't at all, yeah, like into dance or artists or anything like that. So it was really hard for them to kind of comprehend like she wants a career in, in the arts because mm-hmm. to them that's just not a career. And I think to many Australians, it they just they don't think that that is a real job, and I think that comes with a stigma because there's no work. So I don't know what it's like in the UK because I feel like you guys have a bit bit of a bigger industry there. Um, it might be a little bit more accepted, but definitely in Perth, people were like, "You want to be a dancer? Like, what are you talking about?" And in my mind, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to move to America." Like. I want to make it big. And they were like, why don't you move to Sydney? And I just thought that was just mediocre. Right. Like, why do I want to move to Sydney when I can move to LA? Like, <laughs> Touching on that, that's interesting because I'm the kind of person where if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be the best at what I do. Even if I don't start out the best, the goal is always to be, you know, get to the the pinnacle of what is, is out there. Um I know where that comes from in me, but where do you think that comes from in you? Like, why do you, what, what was it in you? What intuition was it in you that was like, you know, someone else would have gone, Sydney, I could dance in Sydney maybe. Well, like, was it just common sense or what's the intuition that goes, this is the pinnacle and I'm going to get there and not settle for anything else? I think that honestly is just my, my personality. Like I've always been the type to be like, go big or go home. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to try something, then I'm going to try the hardest thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not, and I'm, I'm like this in my life. Like I don't ever do things mediocre. Like if, if it's going to be mediocre, I won't do it at all. Mm -hmm. I always, and I'm like you, like I want to be the best at what I'm doing. Otherwise I'll do something else. But it was the passion for me. Like, I absolutely loved being on stage Mm -hmm. and the feeling that I got when I was on stage, I was like, that's what I need to have in my life because it just, it, it was like, I was a child and I got a toy for the first time. It was like this Mm -hmm. sparkle in my stomach that I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, what is this feeling? Like, it's so much fun. Like my fingers are like tingling. My palms are sweaty. Like, what is this? And that's just being on stage. And it just made me feel like a superhero. Like I was like, this is so cool. Like if I could do this for a job every day, I would be the happiest person alive. So in my mind, I was like, I don't want to go to Sydney and be doing the same thing I'm doing in Perth because the same opportunities are there that are in Perth, like corporate Mm -hmm. work, full-time studying, 
going to university, maybe working at a club. Like mm-hmm. that kind of was it for me. And in my mind, I was like, I want to do movies. I want to go on tour. I want like, I just, in my head, I figured that if you're going to do it, then like go all the way, you know? Just touching on that, when you're explaining the feeling of being on stage, I describe it as like tapping into my like infinite energy. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Lily, who we've also interviewed on this podcast series, she described it as the infinite energy. And if you tap into this infinite source of like spiritual energy, you can get physically tired, but you'll never get like spiritually tired. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that passion that you had for performing, like that feeling that you had was almost like a divine thing, like something that's coming from like your higher self, like an expression of that? Would you relate to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Like in my mind now, being in my 30s and like having done what I've done, I look at look back at my career and I'm like, of course I wanted to be a dancer. And of course I was so stubborn that I made it work because that was my calling to perform. Right, right, right. To inspire and to kind of um, whatever is inside of me is like is coming out, is like showing its true self. And there were so many moments that I had on tour that I would just look into a stadium, like on stage with just all these lights and it'd be like tears in my eyes. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Like, look what the universe gave me, you know? So there was just so many gratitude moments for me in my career like that. So, so let's, let's move into your career. So my next question, I actually picked up on it in your bio. So I'm going to read it out of what you said, cause I thought it was really interesting. So your bio says, after several setbacks and countless no's, you soon became accustomed to understanding that the LA dance industry was not for the faint of heart. So talk to me about that experience. So you, you've got all of this buzz, all of this energy, all of this ambition. You've got yourself to LA, which I'm sure you probably had to jump through some hoops for visas and that kind of thing, which if anyone's experienced getting a visa for America, they'll know it's no small thing. So you've no, been no. through all of that. You're in Los Angeles. Talk to me about what that time in your life was like and how you were able to, what the no's felt like, but then equally how you were able to process them and build the resilience that got you to the next stage. Yeah. Um, these couple of years when I first moved to LA before I kind of started booking, you know, bigger jobs, this, um, this period of my life was really a lot of growth mm-hmm. because, you know, I'd, I'd come over with this, this buzz and this excitement and this like hit the ground running type feeling. And I, you know, I didn't know, cause I didn't know anything about the industry. I just like showed up in like January. I was like, I'm going to move at the top of the year. You know, me being that, like, I've got my shit together. I'm going to start 2010 top of the year, moving to January, uh, moving to LA in January. And, um, it was just, it was like, I, I stopped and I, I landed and it was like the reality of being in another country by myself. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. What <laughs> right. So it was, um, it was really scary because at the time I was, I was single and it was like, how do you get a car? How do you, apply for your social like I had to do everything by myself mm-hmm. and how old were just, you I was 22 okay 
Yeah, like 22, 23, the year that I turned 23. So, you know, young adult, but you still like, you don't really know what's going on. You're just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was when like smartphones didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So like there was no Google Maps. And so I had to like get my driver's license, but drive in a car on the opposite side of the road and in the opposite side of the car. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I have an audition, but just getting there was scary. Right. The, <laughs> the whole thing was just like you getting to the audition is, a, is like a, a risk and right. then going for the job is a risk. So it just, I don't know, doing all that, it really, it really gave me some grit. It really mm-hmm. did because there was so many times that like I had missed the audition because I like, I got lost driving there and then I ended up, I ended up like on the side of the road, just like crying, like, what am I doing right Right. now? That's kind of the reality. And I think as well, like with that O1, because it's so specific and you can't do anything else. That's the visa. So just for people listening, the O1 visa, the artist visa. Yeah. So the O1 is very specific with its circumstances. So Mm -hmm. you've described to the US government that, you know, you're this um, professional dancer and you're extraordinary talent so you don't need a job in a different like field mm-hmm. but when you first get here you're still putting in the work in order to like get your name out there so people can even hire you mm-hmm. so in my mind I was like I'm gonna need a job like I've never done anything else other than dance like how, what do I do so it just was like hustle time like I, I right. think I had three or four jobs. Like I was babysitting. I was teaching dance. I was working at a restaurant. I was working at a nightclub. I was doing anything and everything you could think of to try and keep my days free so I could go to right. these. Right. Right. But then still be paying my bills. So it was really, it was a very difficult time for me to kind of like grasp an idea on like how things worked in LA and I remember I used to say this all the time to people like it's like a Tuesday afternoon and like it literally looks like the weekend outside like does no one have a job right like I just used to think that was so weird I'm like nobody works in LA like it's so strange but everybody has money so I started asking my friends like how does that happen? You know? So she was like, well, you know, you got to get like a job that has like gigs. So a corporate company will be like, okay, we need three showgirls for this party. And like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's your side gigs. That's what you pay your rent with. And then your career is what you're actually pushing for. And it blew my mind that you could do that because I did, you know, that wasn't like feasible in Australia. Right. So so that was kind of how I started. I like started doing corporate gigs and working for like a little entertainment company and, and that sort of stuff because I had to just dance. But back in the day when I first came, there was multitudes of auditions every mm-hmm. day. Like mm-hmm. I was auditioning probably. And you had an agent. You had an agent at this point, yeah. Yeah, you have to have an agent in order to I get the visa. So the agents were sending me out on the open calls. And back then I was so bright eyed and bushy tailed that I was like, I'm going to go to everything. Um, Which is great because you just, you get so much experience from auditioning that much Mm -hmm. um, that you just become 
it just becomes second nature. Like you don't even get nervous. You're like, okay, next one. Right. All right. Didn't happen On to the next, but there's those specific auditions that you really want and mm-hmm. then they don't happen and you're mm-hmm. just distraught. Like there was been so many times I've cried driving home from castings, including my Beyonce one. <laughs> well, you didn't get the Beyonce one first time around. I was just, I cried my eyes out after it happens because I forgot the choreography. So um, I was like, oh, I flunked it. I messed up my chance and bowled But you didn't. But then I didn't, so. Okay. So I something that I'm really interested in, especially like this title of the podcast, SOS She Made It, I think that especially for for anyone that's aspiring to follow their dreams, achieve something that's really important to them, we always see the success stories, but we rarely see the mental health and the mental strength or the mental vulnerability to get to the success, like the human story behind the success. So when you say, you know, you were distraught, that you'd, you'd messed up the routine, you'd forgotten the choreography, or maybe you did your absolute best and it wasn't enough. You still didn't get it and you did your best. Oh my God, um, it happens all the time. Happens all the time. There's nothing harder than doing your absolute best and giving everything and your best not being enough. How did you switch that around? Like, how do you go from being so distraught to not getting something, but going, but I'm still good enough. I'll just try again. Like, I know I can do it. I'll just try again. How do you do yeah. that? It takes a lot of um, patience with yourself. Um, I think as a dancer and just a human, like I'm really, really hard on myself and Mm -hmm. I have to sometimes remind myself that I'm human because I get to the point that I'm like, what what happened? Like you could have booked that, you know what I mean? And I talk down on myself and then I'm like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. There's everybody else talking down to you. You have to be the one person that talks yourself up because the moment you talk down to yourself, everything feels so entirely heavy. And I think what I used to do is that I allowed myself to kind of let my emotions go. Mm -hmm. Like if I felt like I wanted to cry and be upset because I didn't get the job, I would allow myself to be like, okay, that's a human emotion you're allowed to feel this way, get it out, get it off your chest, but then reward yourself for actually showing up. Right. Right. You know, like going back and, and being kind to yourself, like you would to somebody else. If you saw your, your best friend upset, you would want to go like shout her a coffee or take her out Mm -hmm. for lunch or something and make Mm -hmm. her feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I would, you know, I would maybe flunk the audition, but then I would take myself out for lunch on the way home as a reward of like, you got through that. Rather than punishing yourself and going, you don't deserve lunch because you messed up that audition and you're you're shit or that kind of, right. Yeah. It's that self-love talk. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with it because Mm -hmm. I don't know, in my head, because I'm so hard on myself, I used to do that. I used to be like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're not shit. Nobody, nobody wants to hire you. And then I was like, oh, uh-uh, mm-mm, that's not going to work for me. Like that's <laughs> okay. not making me feel any better, you know? So, and I couldn't reach out to people. I, like, I couldn't physically just call my parents. I couldn't call my brother. I couldn't call my friends in Australia because it was a different time zone. Right. So, 
I had to take that opportunity to be my my own reflection and like to be a soundboard to be like okay that's fine you went anyway you showed up to the audition that's that's a lot right there you put your work in you made the effort and that's what you need to reward not the fact that you did did or didn't get it so almost like your your own like safe space so how long were you in that stage in your life how many years was the kind of the nose and the hard the hard uh hustle how long was that going on for uh, I think it was about two years. And even okay. in those two years, like I really said to myself, like, even though I'm positive and like, okay, like, you know, you want this, you're going to strive for it. We're going to go for it. I was still very like reasonable and like tapped into the reality of like, you have a three year O one one visa. Like if you don't book what you want to book in these three years, then you have to figure out something else. But I gave myself that timeline to be like, give yourself three years to really give it a go because you're not going to figure it out in the first year. Like no one's going to know who you are in the first year. You need to Mm -hmm. be here and be showing your face Mm -hmm. to kind of get your name and your face out in the industry to even book one of those big jobs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was about two years, I would say, of, of those, those kickbacks and, you know, really, really, just getting down to the very end of like almost every audition and then not booking it. And I would be like, what is happening? Like, how did I make it all the way down to putting it on tape? And then they just didn't hire you. But when I would go back to my agent, my agent was like, I don't even care that you didn't book it. The fact that you went down to the end mm-hmm. means that they're looking at you and it's just a matter of time when right. the job is right for you. So you did have that kind of like almost like mentorship or the transparency of your agent going, no, no, this is actually a good thing. Like you're making progress. You maybe haven't got the end goal yet, but you're making progress and you're going in the right direction, which I would imagine gave you the hope. Like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And in my mind, I just, yeah, I, I was just really, really um, determined yeah. Like I just kept pushing. Like I would be that annoying um, client that would hit my agent up every single week and be like, what's happening this week? Like, do you know what's going on? So but no shame either. Be like, yeah, no yeah. shame at all. No like, shame. That's just me. I'm like, we're working together as a team, you know? So your, your break was the usher job, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you got the usher job, which was in uh, 2010 and then Talk to me up to the Beyonce years because I'd love to. The reason I love the, the Beyonce stuff, why I think it's so important is because culturally, as an artist, she has such a huge impact. Like I, I think of her like she's like a zeitgeist artist. Like she captures the spirit of a generation, doesn't she? So the fact that you were there literally next to her um, is seems to me like bigger than your, your normal artist, I, I think. Um, so... Talk to me about the journey. So you're kind of making this transition. You've got your in, you've got the, the Usher role. Talk to me about this next phase of building up the career yeah. that you've now achieved. Well, I think um, just even getting the Usher job because it was a direct book from right. my agent, I was already like, whoa, I didn't even audition and you're telling me that I booked a job for Usher. Like, was it off the I- back of an audition? Did the choreographer see you at something else and then think of you? 
No, they just, they literally saw my photo and they were like, okay, book her. Cause there was maybe 30 of us. So when I got there, that's when the audition was like, we kind of got to rehearsals and then they auditioned us mm-hmm. um, to like put us in parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it kind of blew my mind. And I think that's what kind of changed my mind when I did that job that I was like, oh, wow. Like it's as easy as that. Like you don't even have to go to this six hour audition. Sometimes a job just lands in your lap. And I was like Mm -hmm. mind blown that it could be of that status, you know? So even just doing that, that gave me so much hope because I was like, okay, I'm in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of time now for an opportunity to come that is for me. Right. So that's when I really started figuring out like, what type of dancer do you want to be? What type of world tour do you want to be on? What type of artist is as tall as I am? What artist has dancers that dance in heels? Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be girly and dance in a heel. So I was trying to figure out what artist was that? Is it Rihanna? Is it Beyonce? Like I was trying to figure out where I was putting my focus. And it was the top of 2011 that I really started like going into auditions with that frame of mind. More of a business frame of mind, like really strategic, strategic, right? Yeah. So I went to like a random music video casting and it actually didn't say who the artist was. It was like high profile artist. And we went into this casting and it was almost like a commercial casting. Like they were like one at a time freestyle, but freestyle on the floor. And I was like, so weird. Like, you're like, sure. And in my mind, I'm like, okay. Cause you know, you just get these random castings and you do it and you leave, you don't think about it again. Mm-hmm. And so my agent calls me and she's like, oh, you booked that music video. And I was like, okay. And she's like, it's for JLo. And I'm like, okay. And I'm still thinking like, we're dancing on the floor. Like, what is this? Okay. So I get to set and they give us underwear. And I'm like, I'm still confused. <laughs> <laughs> So I put my underwear on and they're like, there's a bunch of dancers, maybe like 10 or 11 of us. And they like stand us in a line. And I'm like, okay, this is awkward. And the like the director and the camera guys will come over and they're all looking at us and looking at our bodies. And I'm like, what is happening? Right. And they strategically like put us all on the floor in this like clump, like laying on top of each other. And then she comes out and she's being like lowered down on top of us. And the shot is from above. And okay. I was like, oh, okay, now I understand what's happening. Because, you know, as a dancer, you don't get any information. You're just like a moving part of the right, whole thing. Right. So sometimes you don't have a clue what's happening with like the big picture. I was going to say, was it for on the floor or something? Yes, that it was, was the one. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one. So I booked that and randomly while I'm on set, this director is like, hey, are you available next week to fly to Miami to shoot the rest of this video? Cause Pitbull is in the video, but he needs a lead girl. And I'm like, hey. hell yes, I'm available. No, I'm busy. Oh, of course. I'm available. <laughs> in Miami, of course. So the next week I fly to Miami, I do the shoot. Uh, I have this conversation with the director. The director's like, okay, you just moved from Australia. Like, what do you want to do in LA? And I'm like, I just want to tour. I want to go on tour so badly. Like that's my dream goal is to like world tour. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was like, oh, that's so doable. Like 
you should totally do that. From that, that moment on, I was like, oh, okay, like this is doable. I'm in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Someone that just hired me that literally picked me up from a bunch of people that's given me another opportunity is saying that this is doable. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I got this. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks later, the Beyonce audition came up and I was still in contact with that director. And I said to the director, I had just texted him and I was like, Hey, like I'm about to go for this like world tour job. And he was like, Oh, that's so exciting. Like good luck. And he was like, Oh, you know, who, who is it for? And I was like, Oh, it's for Beyonce. And he was like, Oh, I know Frank Gatson really well. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Amazing. Like I, and I had no clue who Frank Gatson was. Okay. So he's like, I'll let Frank know that you're going to go and to look out for you. And I'm thinking like, this never happens. I'm like, this director's being so lovely. And um, I go to the audition mm-hmm. and the first audition was just simply like walking across the studio. Yeah. So it was like hundreds of girls. So before we even start, they slam us all into the studio and we're just standing there like waiting for, you know, like what's going to happen, what's the direction of the audition. And Frank is like, who's Sarah Burns? And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, cool. That was it. Okay. That was it. That, he just wanted to know who I was, put my hand up. He's like, okay, cool. We start doing the walk across. People are dropping like flies. He's like, no, 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 no. So at the end of it, there's maybe like two, maybe 200 people left. And he's like, okay, that was audition number one. Come back next week. So audition number two, it got down to like five, six, seven callbacks. And that was, you know, one of the last ones that I'd gone to that I'd like messed everything up and got super upset and ended up driving home being like so upset that I had forgotten the choreography and been so stressed. And a couple of days later, I got the call from my agent that they wanted to hire me anyway. So (sighs) It you know what is for you is really for you. The universe yeah. really does work in mysterious ways. When you believe, I think when you you know that like um, that calling that you felt. This calling is literally like a magnet. Like you're two parts of a magnet, and the magnet's one side and pulling you towards something. And when you stay on that path of you of your calling, yeah, you know having that faith that that's going to come through. So that was so you got the call saying which world tour was that. That was actually for um, Revel. So this was when she had the comeback. She had Blue. And we did some shows in Atlantic City to open this hotel. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was 2011 for Revel in Atlantic City. Okay. So um, for our our listeners, Frank Gatson was Beyonce's first choreographer when she um, started out. So for the majority of Beyonce's, career and Frank Gatson's a music industry legend so it's huge that that director knew Frank and said look out for Sarah yeah Um, absolutely and it was it was just such a blessing because even just the introduction that he gave me I think Frank already had um like a high expectation of me because he knew me through the director Mm -hmm. so it wasn't as if he was just like oh who's this dancer so it was it was really lovely that you know, that happened. It was, yeah, that was. Because I think that's a really important like lesson because sometimes it's not just about, 
I've I certainly learned it from the the dance world, and I've I've carried it through to uh, my business life as much as I can. It's not just about being great; it's about the package of um, making sure you're known, the network, like being great and networking great, are very uh, powerful. So the Super Bowl, it sounds like, was the year after. Yes, yes. So, the Super Bowl was 2013. I feel like the world stopped when Beyonce did that Super Bowl performance. So can you talk to me about a rehearsal process? Because Beyonce is such an icon for, you know, female confidence, girl power, who run the world girls. Like she's such a leader of, of that. Um, so what does, like, what, what's that whole process like from audition first day? Like, I, we, we have something at SOS called the hot mess phase, embrace your hot mess phase. Like you can't get to greatness without being a hot mess. So you might as well just accept it's going to happen <laughs> rather than yes. resisting and fighting against it. How do you guys, is it like a safe space? Is it not like talk to me about the rehearsal process? And then can you also share what it was like to like, I want you guys listening to watch the video of Beyonce Super Bowl performance because you'll literally see Sarah right there. What was that energy like? And, and can you talk to me about what that process is like building up to something like that? Yeah, the rehearsals was actually really creatively like just so big and insane that it blew my mind because, you know, coming from a small town and not really having that ability to see things like that backstage, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. things come together in such a big production. So in my mind, it was just really fascinating to be a part of of what was happening around us because it was such a big group of us together. Mm-hmm. Like it was all these musicians and all these dancers and all of her crew and just yet yeah, putting together such a big performance like that had to be kind of um, broken down into sections. Okay. So it was just really interesting to be like, okay, we're going to spend today on choreography, but then we're going to spend the next day on staging and using props. And it was months. Because we always say Beyonce doesn't, wasn't built, you know, wasn't, doesn't happen in a day or isn't built in a day. So how many months does, did Beyonce and you guys, how long did you prepare for that? Yeah, um, I think we started, I'm going to say we started back in December like with kind of just the studio rehearsals, but then we went and joined the rest of the dancers. So we had kind of like workshop rehearsals with a smaller group. And then we joined the dancers who got cast. And then that was a whole different set of rehearsals. Um, And then we moved to the actual city that we did it in Mm -hmm. and then rehearsals like on a pretend stage And then that's when we went to the performance. So there was like really, yeah, different stages of the production level and where it was kind of at. And it was a lot because there was 30 30 dancers. So it's just a lot to like kind of be mindful of and like be around that much energy all the Mm -hmm. time. Um, I'm really sensitive to energy. So like after, you know, being in rehearsals for 12, 13 hours with, hundreds of people like I have to like go back into my shell and be like okay I need to recharge right right. (laughs) um so it was it was exhausting you know seven days a week for like Um, two months seven days a week or did you get any days off oh no yeah two months seven days a week okay Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's also building resilience for sure because right. you might be really tired, but you still have to dance full out, which is a whole nother beast. <laughs> but yeah, it's just such an amazing experience for me. Um, the day of was just mind blowing. The energy in there was like crazy. Like I can still feel my body experiencing that, um, those sensations of being Mm -hmm. on stage. Um, We had inner ears, which Mm -hmm. are like these cool little ears that you hear um, like the backtrack of her song. So then you're still on beat when you're dancing because in a stadium like that, the, the sound bounces. So sometimes you could be off beat like if you're hearing right. the, the reverb. Right. So wearing those was really strange because I wasn't used to wearing inner ears. So it's it felt like I was dancing in a fishbowl. Like I could hear the noise inside my skull and I was like, this is so strange. <laughs> and then you can feel everything else, but you're like, I can't even hear anything. So that just felt really strange. But yeah, it was such a bizarre feeling because it was like, it was for camera, but then it was in person too right so that was a weird disconnect as well to be like oh we're supposed to be looking at the camera but this crowd is ridiculous so so like staying really focused on the camera and working to that while you've got all of this external stuff going on yeah yeah how do you deal with the nerves before a performance like that because you always see pictures of Beyonce doing the circle she's like breathe in positivity, exhale, feel like she does something like that. Did you do that? And does that help? Do you think that makes a difference? I think it does make a difference. It always makes me really emotional. Like Mm. whenever we pray and we do that thing, like I'm a mess. I'm always like, (laughs) oh, I got to go fix my makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Because she just says the most heartfelt things. Like I remember the first time that I ever performed with her and I heard her say that speech, I was a mess. <laughs> in my mind, I hadn't really grown into like the Sarah that I am today. And I was mm-hmm. still a little like unsure about the way I spoke to myself. Like I was still like really learning to self-love and self-talk, like good, uh, pardon me, good things. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, everyone in this circle is meant to be here. Everyone in this circle is like filled with greatness. Everyone in this circle has something special. And like the sensations in my body, like even just now I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so choked up. Like it was just beautiful to hear that from somebody because you needed that pat on the back, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. as a performer, we're so hard on ourselves. And then we get to this, this situation where we're like, this is the most amazing opportunity ever. And someone tells you like, well done. So it's like, I think oh. that's really special as well, because I don't know if you've experienced this in the dance industry, but a lot of the jobs I've done, especially with some really high level choreographers and high level people, it can actually be very opposite messaging. Like you've got to constantly hustle for your place there. You've got to earn your place there. Like it's the, like you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're rubbish. And you fight against that. And it's almost like a little, game of like survival of the fittest so it's really lovely to hear I it, the reason I pick up on it is just because it's something that is a especially as a female leader I don't think you have to be that like hardcore person that has like cracks the whip tough love yes you can give tough love the emphasis being on the word love um mm-hmm. 
So it's really, when you hear that Beyonce does that before a performance, if anyone's going to get results, it's Beyonce. But she, I mean, she, does, what, what did you learn from her as a, as a leader, do you think? I think as well, like just going back to that, we got that tough love from Frank and from our choreographers. Right. So I think, and that like fight or flight, like you got to earn your space on stage, all that right. sort of stuff. Like the person that's next to you is learning your track. Like we felt like that at all times. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why when she said that in the prayer circle, it hit home so hard mm -hmm. because you were in fight or flight and it was like love. And you're like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> like <laughs> a ray of sunshine. Yes. And so I think the one thing that I learned from her was like to keep your shit together. Mm -hmm. Like however you feel, of course. Yeah. Like there's a time and a moment that like, you got to release that. You got to let it go. You got to process it. You got to feel your feelings, but like not everybody else needs to know about it. Right. Right. Okay. I think that's her professionalism. That's, mm -hmm. that's where she's like, I might feel some type of way, but you're not going to see it. But she must have someone in her life that sees it that she goes home to. Oh, maybe she doesn't. You'd think you'd hope she does. And, you know, and maybe behind closed doors, she lets it all go, like, because that's kind of what I became. So I would put this and I would I would call it like, you know, the professional Sarah face. I would put my face on. I would do my job. I would execute, you know, the the steps and I would be around socially. But when I went back to my hotel room, I had to let that go. I had mm. to step into being like, I need to be human again and know that like there's so much pressure on my shoulders that I need right. to take that off. Right. You know, this like, like a really silly question, but how do you take it off? Well, for me, I think I had to learn, I had to learn those, those tools because I didn't know them as a child. And I think being in the industry is such a different battle than, you know, things that you dealt with in your childhood and in your adulthood, the industry stuff is just, it's really difficult. And I think a lot of it comes down to self-worth. Like if you feel unworthy of being in that position, you're going to, it's going to come out in your body mm -hmm. in the way you speak and the way you dance. But mm -hmm. if you really, really believe that you're meant to be there and that is your job and that job was made for you. Right you have this, this gratitude of, with the universe of like the universe gave me this opportunity and I'm going to level up to hold it instead right. of being so hard on yourself. Like, Oh my God, they, they're so there's, you know, they're pulling me down. They're telling me I'm not good enough. I'm not getting the step, but then still remind yourself like, but you're there because they believe in you. Right. You're going to get the step. Like, right. you know what I mean? So there's just this, this fight in your brain about like, do, do I have it? Do I not have it? And I think it all really comes down to self-confidence. And that moves very nicely into the next section because I, I have two questions for you on that. I'd love you, for you to talk to me a bit about your confidence journey. And what advice would you give to people that haven't had that validation yet? Like if they're on that, that journey, but they haven't, You've, you earned your place there. You know, you did the work and you were eventually rewarded for that work. 
but what advice would you give to those people on that hustle that haven't had the external approval yet? Mm. So they, you know, if you're, if you haven't had, you know, the best choreographer in the world, Beyonce's choreographer, stamp and approve you, you got the job out of these hundreds and hundreds of people. What if you haven't had that external approval, but you still have that belief? How do you, what advice would you give to people? Um, I think it comes down to just being really real with yourself and understanding what it is with your goals and why you want your goals, you know? So I think, I think getting really real with yourself about the intention of why you want to be a dancer. Right. It's where that lies. So, and I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with my dancers that come over from Australia with my program. Mm -hmm. And I often see that like dancers hold on to things that they've been told by other teachers from their childhood or from their like young adult years. Mm -hmm. That's like negative, but they won't actually let it go. Right. They'll hold on to it their entire dance career. And they'll have moments where they're like, I'm just not good enough. And it was because somebody told me 10 years ago that I was never going to be a dancer. And I'm like, why are you still listening to that thought in your head when that's not even yours? That was somebody else's thought that they put in your mind, Mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of it is the intention of like, why do you want to dance in the first place? Is it because you want to be famous on Instagram? Is that (laughs) that what actually excites you? Or do you want to be a dancer because you enjoy performing? You enjoy the process. You enjoy going to class. You enjoy the release that dance gives you. Like what is it that makes you get up in the morning and get excited about dancing? Is it because you want to post an Instagram video and get likes? Then if that's, that's the intention, then I need to go all the way back to your confidence and figure out like, whether you got enough attention as a child. Right, right. You so know, it's literally like therapy. Yes. And yeah. that's what this becomes. It becomes therapy. And you really understand like these inner child things that we still carry around as adults, they affect us still. And they'll affect your productivity and your professionalism and your jobs. But it literally starts in here. It starts in your mind. And I just, I see it so much with these young dancers that either they want to be Instagram famous and that's why they want to move to LA or they're like, I just want to dance on tour with Chris Brown. And I'm like, but why? Right. Why Chris Brown? Do you want to dance like a stripper? Like, cause that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. If that's your, that's your thing. If you want to do that, then I'm not going to like tell you no, but like, to really find out the intention of what you want to do and why you want to do it is such an important part of the journey that I think it really maps out for you why you have the goal you have. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can like it can like let go of the goals that you thought you wanted. God, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm even still learning that now, like in my human life like I thought I wanted to be married with children Mm -hmm. I wanted that fairy tale and when it came down to it not happening I had all this regret and this guilt about 
what people would have thought of me being not following through with that. Why do I care what other people think? Like that's not their life. So why am I putting that on me when it just is what it is, you know, like life is not a fairy tale. It's, it's work and amazing things can happen inside that, you know, but I think a lot of the times we get so worried about externally what people are thinking of us. And And attached to, because I think there's, again, it's a balance of, you know, I I think I'm doing a lot of thinking about identities at the moment and the identities we attach ourselves to. And, you know, you were that green young dancer that had an ambition that you fulfilled Mm-hmm. And that that's beautiful and it's wonderful. But sometimes when we're in that, you know, that we have we set these dreams and ambitions and these ideals for ourselves. And sometimes that's not meant for you. And, right. and it's very hard, I found, to detach from what you thought oh you wanted God. and what you identified yes. with as success at some yes. point in your yes. life yes. to surrender to the evolution of not who you wanted to be or thought you should be, but who you're meant to be. That's a practice, you know, I find. It does not happen overnight at all. But I think, well, the one thing that like let the, you know, the light bulb go on for me is that I realized you are not the thoughts that are in your head. Mm. That's your ego, you know, and I think we get, our egos get so attached to statuses and they get so attached to like, even physical things or just like social things. And, and we hold onto these things like, you know, if I don't have that, then I'm not who I am. Or if I don't have that, then I'm not amazing. It's like, no, you're amazing without all of that, just because you're you. Right. It's like remembering that you're, you're amazing because you're you, like you don't have to have these external validations or even, society saying that you're successful in order to be successful right in order to be in order to be worthy exactly exactly and it's a journey it's a it's a full-on journey to get to that place yeah I I feel that and it doesn't feel like you're like I've arrived like it doesn't necessarily feel like you have a destination and once you're there you know like end of story it really feels like it's a moving thing and the like part of the lesson is to move with it rather than resist resist it exactly yeah it's a daily a daily thing that you have to remind yourself that we're on a journey and you know every single day is a gift right and do, and do you wake up in the morning like do you have a a confidence practice like I guess are you I mean you've answered it a lot but like you now in the present you as you, Sarah, in your 30s, having done all of this stuff, moving on to your next goals. You know, there's going to be more that you want for yourself, you know, the next step. Do you have like a confidence practice, a meditation, like affirmations? Yeah, um, I actually did. I went through a lot of therapy after that breakup and I did a lot of hypnotherapy and I absolutely love hypnotherapy. It changed my life because it really implemented me taking that time to like go back inside my thoughts. So did you have like a romantic breakup? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, it just, it really got me back inside my head and, you know, I just, I had dealt with so much, um, external negative talk that I started self-talking negatively. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, 
wild for me to think that I could get through self-negative talk as a dancer, but then in my relationship, it was the opposite. It was like I allowed it to happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that was interesting for me as well, like emotionally. But hypnotherapy was wonderful for me because I was reminded of like the thoughts that you tell yourself are really, really important. Mm -hmm. And it created um, just some discipline for me. Like I was like, okay, every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to play my hypnosis tape. Like even in the background, as I'm just getting ready, making my coffee, like these affirmations are being, you know, implemented in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that literally ever since my breakup. Like I still do it today. I'll wake up, I'll play my affirmations just because it gets me, pardon me, in um, just a really good emotional space. Right. Okay. That's really, it's almost like doing your like self-care workout in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thought starts with you, you know. So what would you say your personal mission is now because obviously we're, we're both teachers and we both love to teach we've both been through lots of experience that we feel like you know we've got our, our we have cup filleth over with all the experience and what we want to give back to our students so what's your personal mission and how do you put that into your life and your job and your teaching now yeah um for me I just I love being creative I love Um, being a part of projects and whether it's, you know, not even dancing or whether it's just music or artists or artist development. Um, I just, I really love understanding people as humans, Mm -hmm. even though we're creatives. So I, I often try and take it back on a human level of like really knowing that, that we're in a safe like space when they're with me. And yeah, just like letting them kind of tell me about themselves because I feel like that always kind of translates to the job. Like when you understand someone on like a human level and what they're going through at that moment in time, you can really kind of be supportive when they're doing their job. Um, With singers, I see that all the time. I don't know whether it's because they're actually singing and their emotions are so tied with their voice. Like it's, it's wild the um the growth that I even see with like within hours like I'll start with a with a singer and they're like oh this this industry is so hard on me and I don't think I have like a place in this world and I'm like okay we're getting ready to to do an award show like how do you not have a place in this world and then once I get them out of that emotional like situation that they're dealing with and they actually tap into like oh my god I have this opportunity and I'm so grateful that this mm. this light shines and I'm like that's it that's the sparkle like so you, that's like, you bring out people's sparkle yes and I love it it's like such a fun thing to do like I'm watching it happen in front of your eyes is just so special so I really feel like right. I'm I feel like I'm called to inspire um, okay. I always feel like I, I get that little, um, feeling in my stomach when I, when I get that opportunity. Cool to inspire. You do a really, really great job of that. Um, I'm going to move on to our quick fire questions Yeah. just at the end before we, we finish. So I feel like these are going to be some deep questions for you, Sarah. So your, your 
favorite music video of all time? Oh, it's a hard one. So hard, isn't it? I'm going to say Blow. Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, because it was just an amazing experience. It was I like- love that you were in it. Sarah, like, I know it's your job. Like, I know it's kind of like normal for you. <laughs> but like so many people, <laughs> so many people be like, oh, I love that Beyonce video, Blow. You were in it. <laughs> not normal. Sometimes. Yeah, it was super fun. It was a super fun job. Yeah, with all the neon. Yeah. Um, Yes, and the rollerblades, right? Keep it yeah. coming, keep it going. You know, we actually shot that whole thing in slow motion. Really? Yeah, the whole thing oh. in slow motion. And they, like, made it faster afterwards in edit. Oh, that's how it looked we, like that. Yeah, we literally taught her the steps on set. Wild. She just banged it out. And she was like, okay, we're just going to do it half, t- half speed. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. That's genius. That is genius. See, make it work for you guys. Make it work for you. Um, your all-time favorite Shiro. Mm. Catwoman. Catwoman. I don't know. <laughs> Catwoman. But I'm gonna go. I can see you as Catwoman. She's like cool and dark and edgy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, I can see that. So <laughs> I think we've already touched on this quite a lot, but a full circle moment where you're you're living something that you dreamed of doing. Oh, there's this moment that I had. Um, I think it was Rock in Rio. It was like one of the largest crowds that we ever performed in front of. And there was this moment that we were standing in front of just every single person in the, in the stadium with their like, phones and lighters up and she mm-hmm. was singing halo is that with Beyonce that's Beyonce okay yeah it was just tears running down my face and I was like this is literally the most magical thing I've ever felt in my life that was my full circle moment that I had seen that moment in my head before and I was like oh wow this is happening right now that's so, such precious moments aren't they what's your favorite way to relax Favorite way to relax? Oh, going to the beach. Yeah, there's something about the water for me. Okay. Makes me really calm. Um, if someone or a situation tells you you can't, what's your next action? Watch me do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, um, that was the complete, yeah. If someone was like, you can't do that, I'm like, watch me. <laughs> do you ever hold on to it when you're like, watch me do it? Do you ever, like, you know you're, what you're saying your students are like? They're like, that person said something to me, so like, watch me do it. Do you hold on to it or do you just go, watch oh. me do it, let it go? Yeah, no, no, I hold on to it. Like, I remember <laughs> this one high school teacher was like, dance is in a career, you're not, you don't know what you're talking about. And I went back to talk at my high school and was like, does so-and-so still work here? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, I hold on to it for okay. sure. <laughs> those, those moments are just so, they can be healing too. Again, it's like it's finding a balance between holding on to something and getting bitter and then actually holding something on, like holding on to something and then, but it also being healing. I went back to my school and they told me. Yes. No, yeah, I, I have this. I said this to my girlfriend yesterday and I thought this was a wonderful explanation. There is this story about 
a father who is an alcoholic and he has two sons mm-hmm. and both, both of the sons are both like, oh my God, my childhood was so bad. Like I had an alcoholic father. One of them became successful. One of them became an alcoholic and right. they said the same thing. My father was an alcoholic, so that's why I am the way I am. But it's because one of them right. took it and went, I'm not going to be my father. I'm going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And one of them took it and was like, oh, my father's a drunk. I'm going to be a drunk. Right. It's like, so you can always take something and turn it into greatness, but it's how you perceive it and how you take that. And criticism. how you process it. Yes. You process so your outcome can always be good it's just the way that you interpret it right so what's the most empowering piece of advice you've ever received oh um if your dreams aren't big enough if that yeah if your dreams don't scare you they're not big enough okay so like if you're doing something that is easy for you then that's not your calling right and i think if you're scared then you're on the right track doing the right thing yeah yeah, absolutely. And that just, it goes, it goes for everything. Like that's life period, not even just your career thing. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, what's next for you? Ooh, um, well, currently I'm really trying to get into more artist development and choreography mm-hmm. um, and like behind the camera type stuff, which is really fun. Um, yeah. So that is what I'm working towards and I want to go for my citizenship. That's a big deal. My brother just got his citizenship. Yeah. I really, I want to have a dual passport. So then just, it just can be easier because just with the green card, like I have to be in the States for six months at a time. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's a bit restrictive still, you know, I just want to be able to be like, I want to go here. I'll go there and not have to worry about it. Right. Got it. Oh, you'll be there singing the anthem. Yeah. Your ceremony. Um, Sarah, thank you so, so much for taking the time to do this podcast. And I'm so glad I finally got to interview you. Um, when I come to LA or if you ever come to London, we'll have to yes. go for a drink or something finally. But yeah, just thank you so, so much. And yeah, have a wonderful Saturday and we'll speak soon. Yay! Thank you for having me.